Good evening, Mendocino County. This is John Horton with this month's edition of Inside Education. In tonight's edition of Inside Education, we'll interview Mendocino County Science Fair student state qualifiers. Each year, local students in grades 3 through 12 submit science fair projects as teams and, and as individuals. Project range from biology, chemistry, geology, and earth sciences, environmental sciences and ecology, psychology, health sciences, engineering and technology, and physics. Like many things in education, the pandemic had changed the science fair from an in-person affair to a virtual event. But this year, Mendocino County Office of Education was determined to hold the event in person. Luckily, local health conditions removed all barriers and allowed the event to happen. I am substituting for Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of School, who is off air to follow the FCC regulations while she is an official candidate for her re-election. In her dedication to keep the show on the air, Superintendent Hutchins assisted with the production for tonight's show by helping craft questions, providing technical assistance, pre-recording, and editing this show for us. This show was pre-recorded on March 18, 2022 in the MCOE Remote Studio in Ukiah, California. For the beginning of tonight's show, Continuous Improvement Specialist E.J. Renner interviews the students who qualified for the state competition. Here is E.J. If you could just tell us your name and what grade you're in and what school you attend. Okay, I am Isaac Ashton, and I go to Laytonville Middle School. I'm in eighth grade. And was this your first science fair? It was actually, yeah. How did it go? Uh, I think it went pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I did not expect it to go as it did. I think I did better than I thought I was going to do originally when I started. But um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot more people there than I expected. So that was really cool. Just a, a lot more participants than you had anticipated. Yeah, yeah. Was that because of the the pandemic that we're just now coming out of that you anticipated that there would be fewer numbers there? Yeah, that's. I, th I think that's why it's because I didn't expect there to be as much people during COVID there, but there was actually a lot of people. Can you describe your project for us and also what inspired it? Um, yeah, so in my project, I tested to see if magnets were significantly affected by naturally occurring temperatures. And basically it was inspired because I, or by, I saw a video that showed how to build a mini magnetic levitation train. And that made me kind of think like, I wonder if, uh, magnets are affected by temperature and coincidentally the science fair was coming up. So I knew I wanted to do a science fair project about temperature and magnetic uh, fields and stuff. So, yeah. Did you have a hypothesis coming into your uh, experimentation? Not until I had done a little bit of research and then I had been like, had a little bit of a educated guess of what I thought was going to do. And it ended up being correct, but uh, not originally when I saw the magnetic levitation, only when I had researched about it. So, so it sounds like it was more of a question and then some investigation and then the results that you got. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised about your results? Well, <clears throat> yes and no. I mean, there was some things about it that I was and some things that I weren't. My hypothesis was correct in that the magnet that was heated up was in, uh, affected more than the cold magnet, but I expected the cold magnet to be affected more than it was. Um, also, I learned that infrared rays are uh, affected by strong magnetic fields, which was messing with the thermometer that I was using because it uses uh, infrared rays to measure temperature. So that was interesting. While you were going through this, what, did you uh, have any support uh, with the project? Was this pretty much on your own? 
Um, yeah, I had a lot of support. I had support from my teachers and my parents and family and friends. Um, my teachers really helped with like guiding me on how to like keep my stuff organized. And uh, my parents actually helped with the physical experiment, um, but they all overall helped, or yeah, over, overall helped me uh, uh, motivate to do this by myself so that I could actually finish it. So what was it that inspired you to decide to do a science fair project for the first time this year? There's a few reasons. I re I've always wanted to do the science fair and last year in the virtual thing, I almost did it, but I didn't actually end up finishing it. I don't know why I probably just didn't have enough motivation, but I wanted to kind of like see what it was like before high school. So, cause I'm going to do more of these and I wanted to like have a little bit of experience before uh, high school. So, yeah. Was your science fair project, it sounds like it wasn't just for fun. It sounds like you definitely had a purpose to it and it's yeah. something you want to pursue and learn more about. So what is something or some things that you're thinking of doing differently the next time the science fair comes around? The thing that I could probably do the most differently is figure out a different way to measure the temperature of it. Um, because like I said, the infrared rays were being interrupted by the magnetic field. So I'd have to figure out another way to measure the temperature of the magnets and then I could get like an actual accurate reading and do all that kind of stuff again and just see what the actual results were for the same exact temperature every time. What mm -hmm. real life problems or situation that you would like to solve or improve upon? When I like my dream job is to be an aerospace engineer because um, I'm really into just uh, planes but also space so if you combine those you know you get aerospace. Um, and so I'd really like to improve on our, uh, space flight and space technology. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like recently been getting into physics. So like astrophysics are pretty interesting to me, but yeah, problem solving with like, since pretty much space is the future, um, I'd like to be in the group of scientists that help figure out all that kind of stuff. What was your absolute favorite part of the science fair this year? My favorite part was probably conducting the experiment and seeing how really strong magnets interact with each other because I've never, that's not something you usually get to do unless that's like your job is like see really strong magnets interact, but this is like my first time ever seeing a really strong magnet and it's just crazy. You have to like keep, always keep your mind on where it is because sometimes like if you put it down by your waist, it'll like get stuck to your belt buckle or like they'll like, and then they are super strong. So like when I was actually doing the experiment, they levitated at like four inches plus away from each other. So it was interesting. Yeah. Gra uh, gravity and, and magnetism, strong force and weak force, right? Yeah. That's what yeah, holds the, nice. what holds the universe together. All right, Isaac. Well, thank you so much for your time today and joining us. Yeah. We had technical difficulties with the recording. This is Tyler Knight from Laytonville Elementary School, grade seven, being interviewed by EJ Renner. My name is EJ Renner. I'm a continuous improvement specialist here with Mendocino County Office of Education. Was this your first science fair? And what were you expecting? Well, this was not my science fair, uh, my first science fair. I wasn't expecting it to have so many people or being able to see so many people together. Was that exciting, yeah. seeing a lot of people gathered? Yes, it definitely was. After so long of, of not seeing people together in an event like that? Yeah, it was definitely an improvement from what we've been having. Now, are you referring to the virtual fairs of the past couple of years? Yes. How many, so how many science fairs have you competed in, Tyler? 
pretty sure this is yeah this is number five so coming in for your your expectations what what were you expecting i know you mentioned you know not as many people the the larger crowd was certainly something that everybody enjoyed what about the overall outcome of the science fair this year i don't say it was one one of my better projects because i started off at the wrong time and small stuff like that um so i wasn't expecting to do that good but i somehow made it to state well again congratulations on that and can you tell us the title of your project and what inspired it um the title of my project was poisoned plant and i was um i was inspired by how there's like oil spills and when it's raining gasoline from drippings from cars how it runs off into plants uh, i want to see ways to prevent that what was your actual did you have an actual question or hypothesis for your project this year my question for it was um how can i make them less dangerous to plants and my hypothesis was that trying to remove the chemicals from the water would make it less dangerous to the plants. And I had a correct hypothesis. Did your project lead to any other possibilities down the road, such as ways of preventing the toxic runoff? Yeah, it did, but just not many practical solutions. Like, it wouldn't be practical to line the the sides of all the streets that with cotton balls that had to be replaced daily that wouldn't work the best. So in thinking down the road, um, this, you know, toxic runoff is certainly just one example. What are some other real life problems that you would like to see yourself working to solve? I would like to see a way how humans uh, as a entire population are affecting animal life in areas around us. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I kind of want to see how uh, removing humans from an environment surrounded by plant life, how it would affect the animals if they were raised near humans and then the humans left. Like how that would affect how they gather food, important life stuff. Kind of how uh, after the Chernobyl power plant incident, uh, after humans left the area, plant and animal life uh, repopulated very quickly. And now there's uh, animals living at the site. Was your project influenced by the COVID pandemic at all? It was a little uh, not being able to get any outside help with uh, brainstorming for ideas. Because for the past years, I've had a group of people that I brainstormed ideas with. And then this year, for the, for the brainstorming part, there wasn't the ability to have that group. Did you get any other support uh, on your project from any teachers, parents? When it came time to the pouring and filtering, I had some help from my mom and dad <clears throat> because it's hard to pour... Uh, gasoline through a funnel into a water bottle without being able to spill anything. If you become a scientist, 
Are there any other real life situations, issues, or problems that you would also think about? Ways to filter trash from uh, surface layers of oceans and sand on beaches. And in places where the sand is used for repopulating for like sea turtles. So ways to clean marine environments. Yes. So as we start to wrap up our conversation here today, Tyler, what was your favorite part of the science fair? I would say my favorite part was being able to go and see people instead of like last year's one where I was sitting up at my cousin's house and watching the award ceremony online. Indeed. The social aspect was, was certainly a, a big win for all of us who were there this year. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity. My name is EJ Renner, Continuous Improvement Specialist with Mendocino County Office of Education. And would you please tell us your name and grade and what school you attend and where you're located? So I am Yifan Chan. Um, I am in the 10th grade at Retired Independent Study Academy. It's a very long name. We typically just call it UESA. So was this your very first science fair? And if so, was it what you expected? Um, so this was actually my probably fourth, third or fourth science fair so far. Um, and I actually really liked the format they had this year. Um, it was pretty similar to previous years, but with some more activities. Did you get a chance to participate in any of those activities? Um, actually, one of my friends ran one of the booths, so I went to check that one out. It was the it was the Hoffman Research Center booth, and it's pretty interesting. Well, fantastic! Yes, we want to make sure we give a shout out to the all of our volunteers that that work those activities. How does this compare to when we had a virtual fair? I feel like it was a lot easier to communicate ideas with both the judges and also just people who wanted to view the projects. Like it was a lot easier to show precisely what you wanted and just have a bit less confusion. Yifan, can you please describe your project for us? Uh, tell us the name of it and, and tell us what you did. My project this year was on um, aerophores. Actually the title was, I think I was comparing aerophore types. So I wanted to to compare regular aerophore types that, you, that we see every day on airplanes, wind turbines, and stuff with um, airfoils with a step in it. So basically, there's a little cutout of the airfoil, and I wanted to see whether those could perform as well as the regular ones. It ended up that at lower angles, it could actually compare, but at higher angles, it would stall earlier and therefore not work as well. Okay, so it sounds like you had a question about which airfoils would work the best, and maybe did you have a hypothesis coming into it or was it more just a question and then testing various airfoils? Um, so my hypothesis was that the stepped airfoil would not work as well because we don't really see them daily and there has to be a reason for that. And also, and I predicted that it would probably have more issues with turbulence and drag. In the end, my conclusions or my results sort of disproved that. And yeah. Okay. What was your favorite part of your project and, and or the science for this year? 
favorite part of my project. It's actually pretty fun this year. Um, I would probably say just learning to use my foam cutter and creating it. I needed a foam cutter because I needed a way to, I guess, manufacture my air quotes. And to create it, I worked with my dad to, to um, create a hot wire. So basically, um, I connected a wire to a special type of wire to a wall adapter and that and it provided heat to allow me to cut foam and create my aerofoils. Okay. So was your science fair project, was, was it just for fun and now you're finished with it? Or is this something that you want to pursue and learn more about? I guess both, actually. I... I actually got inspiration for this project from um, trying to make uh, RC plane last year. So that part of it is mainly for fun, but I still, I still want to create, I guess, more planes in the future and maybe even um, after high school study um, aerospace engineering or something like that. And Yifan, as we wrap up our conversation together, our last question is if you were in charge of the science fair, what would you do differently, if anything, next year? I like how it was how it was done this year. Um, well, Yifan, we thank you so much for for joining us today, for your time, and congratulations on advancing the state and best of luck. This is John Horton with Inside Education. We are listening to EJ Renner, continuous improvement specialist, interview the students whose science fair projects qualified for state this year. So, my name's EJ Renner. I'm a continuous improvement specialist with the Mendocino County Office of Education. And today we have one of our state finalists advancing to the state fair. So would you please tell us your name, your grade, what school you attend, where you're from? Uh, my name is Abigail Scherf. I'm in seventh grade. I go to the Willits Charter School, and I'm from Willits, California. Well, thank you for joining us today, Abigail. And was this your first science fair? And if it was, was it everything you expected? This was not my first science fair. I have been to the county science fair um, since every year since third grade, and it was pretty much what I expected. So how does this compare with uh, the last couple of years when, when we were virtual? Um, so last year, it was way different because we didn't get to go at all in person, and I had to do everything over Zoom, and it was much harder to communicate with other people. Can you describe your project for us? Maybe tell us the title and what you did. My title was Do Masks Replace a Familiar Face? And I was testing to see if it took students longer to identify their teachers, if they had them, if the teachers had their masks on or off. And I wanted to do this because during the beginning of having to wear masks, it was really difficult for me to recognize people that I knew with their masks on. But after wearing masks for about like two years, it's harder for me to recognize people with their masks off. That is interesting. I actually was joking around with somebody just the other day about, oh, I don't recognize you. Can you please put your mask on for me? Yeah, um, I was reading an article after I did my project, and it was basically saying that when a person has a mask on, you're trying like you're um, thinking of what the perfect face is underneath the mask 
but in reality, people have braces and crooked teeth and acne and stuff like that. Clearly, your topic was influenced by the COVID pandemic, which is one of our questions. What was your aha moment or, you know, how did you decide? Because you're, 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 again, your topic is clearly related to the pandemic. So what was that aha moment for you to when you decided what you were going to do? Because it was really hard for me to recognize um, people I knew with their masks on, but now it's more difficult for me to recognize people I know and don't know without their masks. Coming into your your experiment, did you have a hypothesis or did you just have a general question that you sought to prove or disprove? Um, I had a hypothesis that um, students would be able to recognize their teachers faster with the teachers having masks on because they've seen them with their masks on for two years. And was your hypothesis proven then? Yeah, my hypothesis was correct. But um, one thing I found um, a little strange to me was I thought that they would recognize their teachers and have a big difference in the times, but it was averagely 1.12 seconds faster. So what was your favorite part about conducting this, this project? My favorite part was probably actually testing the people and like seeing their reactions afterwards when I told them who it was. Because some of the kids came out of a classroom with the, the teacher and they still couldn't recognize them on the pictures. So was your science for project something that it was just for fun as a result of the pandemic and okay, now you're going to move on to something else? Or is this something that you would actually like to pursue and learn more about? Um, I feel like it was kind of a just for fun science for a project, but it would be cool to keep learning more about this and conduct more like serious um, experiments with it. Like with brain scanning equipment, I could see when they actually identify the person instead of when they remember the person's name. As we think about it, you were mentioning about facial recognition. Uh, Is this something, have you thought about possibly the, the implications of artificial intelligence and facial recognition? So what I was wondering is, is that something that you may look into for next year's science fair? I feel like it'd be cool to keep doing the science fair project, but I don't know if people will still be wearing masks. <laughs> Probably, but I'm not really sure. And when I was doing when I was doing my research, I found that a lot of there was a lot of uh, more research being done on software and not like actually identifying people's faces. So what was your, what was your favorite part of the fair? What was your, what was the best part of the day? Um, I liked, um, it was kind of stressful, but I liked the award ceremony and I also liked, um, hanging around in Ukiah. Well, Abigail, as we close our conversation, uh, one last question for you. If you were in charge of the science fair, looking forward to next year, are there any changes that you would, would do or anything you would do differently? Like to change the science fair itself or my project? Uh, it, the science fair as a whole. Um, I would probably do because a couple years back when I went to county before COVID, um, there was a first, second, and third place for each category, like life science and stuff. But this year it was only for elementary school and only for middle school. So it made a lot less people place.
and I feel like it'd be cool to have more people placed in for each section. Oh, well, thank you. We appreciate the feedback. And since you mentioned it, you know, what one follow-up question is, is there something that you would do differently in your project? Yeah, I would try to use brain scanning equipment because in my research, I learned that people recognize a person's face before they can remember the person's name or other facts about them. Oh, fascinating. I suppose that's why when we see somebody out of context outside of the school, we say, oh, you look familiar, but I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Abigail, for being with us today. And congratulations on your advancements to state and best of luck. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. You have a great weekend. This is John Horton with Inside Education. We're listening to EJ Renner, Continuous Improvement Specialist, interview the students who science fair projects qualified for state this year. So thank you for being with us today. And where, where, are, you, where are you located right now? Uh, well, let's start our school. Yeah. My name is EJ Renner. I'm a continuous improvement specialist with the Mendocino County Office of Education. Can you please tell us your names, what grade you're in, what school you attend, and where you're located? I'm Ember, and uh, this is Kaywana. We, I'm 11, she's 12. We go to Willits uh, Charter School, and we are located in Willits Charter School in my dad's classroom. Fantastic. And what grade are you both in? Sixth. Yeah. Both in sixth? Yes. Okay. So was this your first science fair? For me personally, it was, and she's done it before. I've done it for uh, like a few years now since third grade, I think. How was it for you? Was it everything you expected being your very first science fair, Kaylana? Honestly, I did not know what to expect. Um, I really had no idea. So, Ember, how about for you, since you've been pre-pandemic science fair, and then you experienced two years of virtual fair and now back in person, how does this year's fair compare to the last couple of years for you? The last couple of years, it was either online or uh before it was uh, at the college, uh, well, the county, but um, the regular science fair was at the Willits Community Center. And so I didn't really recognize any of the places this year because it was at the fairgrounds. So it's so, so a new location for you. Yeah. How does it compare to the, to the virtual science fair of last year? A whole lot bigger. <laughs> a lot and bigger. Yeah, scarier a little bit, um, being in person. Oh, is it? Is it? Was it a little more intimidating being in person? Do, do you mean with the judges, for instance? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so is it a little bit easier to talk to the judges when they're online? Yeah. Okay. A little, a little bit, yeah. Ember and Kaylana, can you please tell us the title of your project and describe it for us? So our project name is Electric Excrements, and it's based around finding a better alternative fuel source for the environment. Yeah, using animal excrement. Okay. And so out of curiosity, was this topic influenced by the COVID pandemic, or was this something that was inspired by? I think it was more of our imaginations on just finding what was possible. Our project started out as... um, trying to make a go-kart fueled by excrement 
but it was way above our budget. And so we narrowed it down a lot just to find the best fuel source from excrement. We then came to a new idea of using a RC car and powering that, but we found that that was not gonna come in in time. So we went to our next idea, which is the project we have now. And so the project you have now was the fuel source using the excrement? Yeah. Okay, so the what was the RC car uh, experiment going to be? It was going to be, uh, we were going to use cow, wait, no, horse, horse manure to um, fuel an RC car. But we were unsure if it would work the best, like horse manure. So we thought we'd um, try to find the best fuel source before we get up to something like powering what was your ways of testing the, the, I guess, output, if you will, of the different uh, samples? We used a voltmeter. We used a voltmeter. We used two tin cans, and we put the excrement inside the small one and put that inside the bigger one and put a thermometer and attached a thermoelectric Peltier module to the big can and then attach that to the voltmeter. And a thermoelectric Peltier module uh, module uses the Seaback method uh, or the Seaback effect to um, get uh, heat and um, like, I don't know, another temperature and uh, converts it into electricity. Yeah, so much, yeah. Coming into the project, did you have a hypothesis? So our hypothesis was the cow was actually going to have the most um, electrical properties because it has methane, very high uh, methane. But we were actually um, wrong because the rabbit ended up having the most electrical properties. Interesting. So a lot of people know that, like you said, that cows do excrete a lot of methane. It's, it's actually a, a measurable source of one of the gases that contributes to global warming. And so I could see where that would be a reasonable hypothesis that because of the methane that the cow excrement would be the best output. But um, the rabbit wound up being the better, the best source of fuel. We also thought that the cow would work the best because um, we got it delivered from neighboring farms. So it's been sitting out in the sun for months or longer even. And so it was super dry and it was the, uh, it burnt the longest, but um, the rabbit, yeah, surprisingly so. So the <laughs> rabbit actually, when they digest their food, it does not fully digest. So the, the, hair, the hay particles, they actually stay intact. So that was kind of like, that was how it burned so long and had the most electrical So it sounds like because a rabbit doesn't chew its food as well, it's going to have better output of, of energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least that's what we're thinking so far. Or is that, or did you actually do a little follow up on that and determine that? Yes, that is why the rabbit excrement actually had the best output. No, well, that's just our hypothesis for that. Like we think that 
it worked the best because it didn't chew up their food all the way. Well, not chew up their food. It just um, it digests like differently than other animals, so that the hay would be, uh, yeah. Right. Like- so, is this something that looking forward to? science fair maybe next year is this something that you would take the the part about the rabbit and maybe you know take that a little bit further or would you are you thinking completely something different for next year um next year we're thinking of using rabbit uh we're gonna ferment rabbit because we found that it this guy a long time ago (laughs) i don't know the exact date but a long time ago he um made a poop bar- or excrement powered car from chicken poop excrement and um he uh fermented it so we're going to try to ferment rabbit excrement and power a light bulb interesting i mean that's really fascinating so is this something that you could see solving a real life situation if this is perfected perhaps yes we were just actually talking about that a little while ago um we had this idea that if we kept working at it, we could make a um, a uh, enough excrement and a charging station for cars, um, where farmers can drop off their like uh, animal excrement, and then they can uh, use that to um, charge electric cars electric vehicles but you know idea so did you did you have anybody helping you out with this like an extra set of hands any family members or teachers helping you out with this or was just the two of you so both of our dads helped a lot with this project especially because we had to light excrement on fire so (laughs) yeah we also had help by um one of our dad's friends who um contributed by um, letting us use his voltmeter, um, as well as neighboring farms um, giving us some excrement to experiment with. And I'm sure they gladly give that, that to you for free, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> and you had somebody on Firewatch, correct, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's really important. So what was your favorite part about this, this project? My favorite part was... Uh, Probably lighting the excrement on fire <laughs> definitely was not the best smell I've ever smelled before, but uh, it was fun writing everything down and checking the electric properties, just how like surprising it was for all each one and how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think personally, mine would be finding who has the most electrical properties. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, and that was going to be one of my questions is, did it stink at all while you were doing this? So it kind of sounds like, yes, it did. Especially when you would light it on fire. It sounds like some of the odor would be released. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Which one was the smelliest, I have to ask? Horse. Horse. The horse? Yeah. Yes. Oh, now you see, I, I would not expect the horse um, because, you know, normally when it's on the ground, they don't smell as much as a cow does. Yeah. But when it ignites, it definitely smells much worse. We had gas masks. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I would go ahead. Oh, we were thinking of fermenting next time for the smell. Hopefully that would um, bring it down a lot. 
Yeah, that's why we want to ferment it. All right. Well, as we wrap up our conversation, Ember and Kelana, congratulations again on your advancement to state. Best of luck and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Take care. So good afternoon. My name is EJ Renner. I'm a continuous improvement specialist. How are you? Good. Good. And thank you for joining us today. Would you please tell us your name, what grade you're in, what school you attend, and where you're located? Uh, my name is Connor Quigley. I'm in seventh grade. I go to St. Mary's School, and I'm in Ukiah. Well, thank you for being with us today, Connor. Really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the County Science Fair, and you're one of our state finalists advancing on to the state final. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Connor, was this your first science fair that you've participated in in Mendocino? Uh, no. I Last year, I... Was last year your first year you participated in a science fair? Uh, yes. Okay, so this is still a, a relatively new experience for you then. Yeah. So, how does this year, and I know that very, very different being in a virtual fair last year, but... How did this year's experience compare for you to last year? Well, it was a lot harder because um, I, I made a board instead of a slideshow. took a, like a, some time and some, like a lot of effort to make that. So, yeah. And, and like I could see other people's things. It was pretty cool. Coming into a live in-person fair compared to last year, was, was this year what you expected? Um, yeah, it was pretty close to it, like um, walking around and seeing all the projects and like making a board. It was, it was what I thought it was going to be. And it was pretty fun. What was the, the best part about the day for you at the fair? Best part about the day was uh, probably getting up there and hearing that I won. Cause I was kind of like, oh, I might not win. Connor, would you tell us the name of your science fair project and just describe it a little bit for us and, and maybe also what inspired the idea for it? All right. Uh, the title of my science project was Archimedes Screw, How Does Core Diameter Affect the Efficiency of the Archimedes Screw? Um, my, in my project, I tested five different um, like uh, Archimedes screws and seeing if core diameter had an effect on its efficiency and which and if it did, which one was the best. And what inspired me to do this project was when I was in fourth grade, I read a book about a guy named Archimedes. So I thought this year, I'm like, oh yeah, some, some of his, he was an inventor, so maybe he had some cool inventions I could remake. And I saw the Archimedes screw and it was moving water uphill with one person and no electricity. So I thought that'd be pretty cool. And I did it. Well, congratulations. And for, for, for us uh, here in the studio and for all of our listeners, would you just briefly describe what an Archimedes screw does, what it is? An Archimedes screw is a positive displacement pump that scoops up water and moves it in a positive direction up to the discharge location. It moves it like it, it moves water up. Okay, so it's something that would but, certainly be used. So it's it's a bit of a, like an aqueduct system, sort of. Yes, kind of, but it moves, but it can move water up, unlike just transporting it. Right. So instead of of like an aqueduct system that I just mentioned, where it relies upon gravity and a certain amount of fall over a certain span of distance, this will actually move it against gravity. Did you have a hypothesis for your project or was it just a generalized question? 
Um, I did have hypothesis. And and what was that, Connor? Um, I thought that the two inch um, core diameter was going to move the most water because it was the largest, and the one half inch core diameter was going to move the least. And that was proven correct by my experiment. Was the half inch the smallest diameter? Yes. So the larger the diameter of the screw, the the greater the volume of water could be moved. Yes. Do, did you happen to find out the, the reasoning behind that, or is that something that you are going to continue to explore and, and maybe develop for next year's science fair? I, have, I think it's because of the pockets. The bigger the pocket from the bigger core diameter, the more water it can have in that pocket so that when it goes up, it can discharge more water. What was your favorite part about doing a project? My favorite part about doing my project was running the tests and seeing how much water came out of the two inch because it was quite a bit. Your hypothesis was that the larger screw would carry more water. Did it actually exceed your expectations of how much it would it would transport? Uh, yes. I thought it would move a lot less than it actually did. Are there some examples that you can think of where this could be applied uh, right here in in California or even more locally in Mendocino County? Yeah, like I said, it could be um, used to move water for droughts, but it can also be used for, um, um, like, if you wanted to move water, because, like, the lakes, like, uh, their water is going down. So if you wanted to move water out of a lake, you'd have to be able to, because it's lower, you'd have to bring it up. So that it could be used in that thing, that scenario, or for farming if you need to bring water up from a reservoir, your crops. That's another thing. Oh, interesting. So, is an Archimedes screw something that could run over quite a distance, or is it something that could only be used for a short distance? Um, it can be used for a long distance as long as you have um, an incline. So did anybody help you with this? Anybody give you an extra set of hands, such as maybe any teachers or other peers or maybe family members? Um, my parents drove me up to the different, like, to the spots and um, got helped me get my materials. And, uh, yeah. So helping you pick up your, your materials to actually build the different um, sizes of the Archimedes screws that you built. Yes. So... Was this project just something that you did for fun, or is this something that, hey, this is something you want to pursue and learn more about? Um, I would like to pursue and learn more about it, maybe try different, even bigger core diameters to see if they can move a ton of water, maybe bigger tubing. Are there other real-life problems that you might see yourself working to solve, or are there is that you may explore in the future? Um, I like, I like, um, I like water science. So maybe trying to find just a, like a way that you can move water really like quickly without like uh, harming the environment. Kind of like the Archimedes screw, but like bigger and more water. So Connor, did, did you run into any unexpected challenges while you were doing your project, such as, you know, you were maybe building it and something, you know, didn't work quite as well or kind of a something, again, just another obstacle that maybe you had to overcome. It was kind of a, oh, I got to do this differently. Uh, yes, I used smaller tubing in the very beginning of my project, but it didn't move any water. So I ditched the smaller tubing and 
dot bigger core diameters. And, and thinking back about your project and the whole day, what, what was the best part about Science Fair for you this year? The best part was being in person at the Science Fair. That was, I liked that a lot. Being able to see the projects, being able to go up on stage. It was all. It was all good. It's it's really great to to be in person and, and see everybody again versus being virtual last year, isn't it? Yeah. As we wrap up our conversation, Connor, in, in looking forward to next year, are there any changes that you would make or anything that you would do differently if you were in charge of the fair? No, I feel like they did a really good job. They they did it all right. Well, we appreciate that, Connor. Thank you so much. Well, Connor, um, again, congratulations on your advancement to state. We wish you the best of luck and hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. All right. You take care. This is John Horton with Inside Education. We're listening to E.J. Renner, Continuous Improvement Specialist, interview the students whose science fair projects qualified for state this year. My name is E.J. Renner. I'm a Continuous Improvement Specialist here with the Mendocino County Office of Education. So welcome to the show. Can you please tell us your name, what grade you're in, what school you attend, and where you're located? Okay, my name is Eddie Bauer. Um, I'm in seventh grade. I go to Arena Elementary School in Point Arena. Um, I'm in Wallala right now in my room. Connor, was this your first science fair? Uh, Connor? I, I apologize. My my I apologize, Eddie. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> my my last guest was Connor. My I, again, I apologize, Eddie. Was this your first science fair? No, it was not my first science fair. It was my fourth one. Okay, so you're this is you're not uh, new to this. This is not your first rodeo. Yeah. Okay, so since this is your fourth year, you can think back to pre-pandemic. And then during the pandemic, we had two virtual fairs, as you know, and then this year we're back in person. So how does this year's fair compare to last year's fair in the year or the year before that when we were virtual? This fair was a lot. I feel I was more nervous in this science fair than I was last one. The last one um, online, um, it was a lot different from being in person. In person, you get to actually look at different people's science fair projects, but in the uh, online one, it was really hard to look at other people's science fair projects, if not really impossible to look at them. Did you, um, oh, go ahead, sorry. Nah, it's fine, go ahead. Did you enjoy walking around and, and looking at, at other peers' work? Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, I got to see this, there was this one kid who had, um, it was like a bunch of rice beads and it was like a, whatever it was, he, it was, he would change pitch with his voice and it would like vibrate. It, uh, it was pretty cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that it was a little more nerve wracking this year versus an, a virtual fair. So was it having the judges in front of you just made it a little bit more, a little more anxiety this year? Definitely. Okay. So a little bit better being, being online, you know, a little bit more, um, relaxed, if you will. Yeah, I. it was quite loud there. For me, I prefer quiet stuff for interview. And just in general, I prefer to just hang out with my, with people that I know a lot more. And 
with having a lot of noise and having them ask questions that sometimes you can't hear as well is definitely a lot more nerve wracking because you have to like ask again or something. So Eddie, can you please describe the, uh, the title of your project for us and just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So my project was the second wildest wildfire project of them all. Um, a continuation from my last year's one, which was the wildest wildfire project of them all. Um, and what I did last year was I, uh, was looking at the different heights of grasses and different plants in the grasses and number of grasses in different uh, areas from the burn on average areas. This year I took soil samples and um, from burned and unburned areas and sent them to a soil lab to get them tested for the different nutrients and to see if it was going to change in the burned or unburned areas. Okay, so so for your, your project, did you have a hypothesis coming in or was it more of a, just a generalized question? Um, it was more of a generalized question than a hypothesis because I didn't know. Right this year, I didn't know what nutrients uh, different things were going to be in the ground, in the soil, so I didn't know exactly. It wasn't like a direct point on the hypothesis. It was a general question. I... I think it was like, um, forgot what it was, but it was more of a generalized question. What was a, what was a key takeaway that you learned from your, your project this year? Um, probably that, I don't really know. There was a lot to, that I learned about it and a lot that I didn't like that I already knew some things being like there were super low boron levels and super high iron levels. Oh, interesting. So the, the boron level that is influenced in a burned area. I think it's just low in general. I, I didn't really, but yeah, I, it was, um, there was more in the unburned area than the burned area, but then iron, it was, there was crazy amounts in both places, but definitely more in the burned areas. Oh, that's an interesting uh, finding. So an area where fire had come through, you found that the iron content was actually increased a little bit. I think that the reason that the, that the iron actually uh, increased was because it had it, all those, the iron and nutrient levels were flushed up into the uh, grasses when they grew. And then when it burned, all of that iron went back into the ground and spiked in uh the amount. So it sounds like your topic uh, was not influenced by the COVID pandemic, but it sounds like it was influenced by some of the situations with the wildfires that we've experienced here in, in not just Mendocino County, but in California and the West in general in the last couple of summers. Yeah. Um, it did influence it a little bit because I didn't want the pandemic did influence it a little bit because I didn't want to do uh, online school so I just did homeschool so we were driving all around a lot more um we would go to Santa Rosa every so often um just like hang out there and I saw the burned and unburned areas uh from the fire that swept through a year and a half ago and I was like well, what about that because um at first I was going to do something with the uh, cooling metals but we ended up not doing that Okay, and it sounds like you also conducted some field research as well, which required traveling to some of these places, right? 
Yeah, uh, I think it's like a half an hour, 20 to a half an hour away from our house. We drove there and took samples um, of the areas, put them in little baggies, and then put them in boxes and sent them off to uh, RX Soil Lab. Oh, interesting. So um, I'm guessing you're on old enough to drive, so you had somebody that was helping out with with the uh, transportation portion of it. And when you sent this off, uh, a little bit of a separate question here, when you sent these off to the, to the soil lab, did you have to specify what you were requesting them to test in your soil samples? No, this one, my mom had also mess- was um, like texting with that or uh, Gmailing with them. And they, uh, we just, it, was, it wasn't anything specific. It was just testing all the different di- uh, nutrients in the soils and then we got data sheets from it. Uh, and that is, yeah, that's what we got from the soil testing. So is this something that you're gonna to continue to build on for future science fairs? Yeah, I have next year, I'm going to be testing the nutrients in the grasses, but, and then something that we're adding onto that project is we're gonna be growing grasses in the soil from the burned and unburned areas to see if that has an effect too, from the different soils. soils from the different grasses. So Eddie, since we know that that science fair and science in general is all about learning, um, and how, how could this be applied to, to um, solving some, some issues where, where we are? I know that there are three different reasons that it could affect and help um, different um, jobs. One of them being the uh, livestock livestock farmers and naturalists and hunters because if they burn if they do controlled burns they have they can raise the grass to be first of all healthy enough um like um green enough uh and i don't really know how to explain it but like edible i guess the like the cows that would want to eat and wild animals and deer so that hunters and hunters could um, hunt deer and animals like that um, so that they would grow more and have higher taste, tenderness, and things like that. Um, yeah. So for, for clarification, um, just to make sure I'm understanding you, it sounds like prescribed burns would actually help the overall health of wildland areas. Is, is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. And would also help support animals um either livestock or also wildland animals as well yeah okay well and and something that uh we know is that our our native american populations they they did use fire you know to in prescribed ways as well to keep areas healthy yeah they did um when trees and stuff weren't producing as much fruit or fruit at all they would burn them and uh replant them and then because the nutrients instead of just replanting in different areas they would burn it so that all the nutrients go back into the ground so that the trees could grow faster and um, also produce fruit well eddie i appreciate you mentioning that i I was not aware of that particular fact in in that great a detail i knew that they had that they used fire to influence food production but i appreciate that example and i'm sure that all of our listeners do too just a couple more questions for you. What was your, your favorite part about this year's science fair? Science fair? It was fun because I got to see people that I knew from my school going there. 
unlike a couple years ago when I went there and like there was nobody there that I knew. And then the science fair project was fun because I got to test different plants. Like I got to like dig stuff up and um, afterwards we went on a hike that had a tunnel that you get to crawl through, which was really fun. And what also something I was a little annoying about the science fair project, the science fair was I walked up and down the aisle thing like four times and I was all the way at the back. So I was going up and then back down and then two awards later I'd walk up and then back down and two more waiters later I walk up and then down and so on and so forth. It was pretty funny. Um, people kept laughing and calling me a smart kid. Were there any challenges this year with your project aside from walking up and down the aisles at the science fair? Uh, I think some of the challenges was definitely doing data entry because as for last year, I kept falling asleep when I was doing it because <laughs> there was so much data entry <laughs> last year. A lot more than last uh, There was a lot less this year than last year. Uh, I think one of the reasons because we already had to slide and all I had to do was just change the information. Uh, but then the graphing uh, for the typing information, only a little annoying, but I've, I've gotten a lot better at typing this year. So um, it wasn't as hard as last year. All right. Well, again, congratulations on your advancement to state. Best of luck. Yeah. See ya. Bye-bye. That concludes our show tonight. This is John Horton with Inside Education. A big thanks to my guest tonight. And thank you to County Superintendent Michelle Hutchins for her help for crafting the questions, offering technical assistance to record and edit our show this evening. Even though she is off, off air to a dear FCC during her re-election campaign, Superintendent Hutchins is dedicated to keeping this, sh this show on air. With that, I thank you for listening to the community-supported radio. Enjoy your evening. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.